Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One, two, three, four. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Own Personal Beatles. I am Jack Pelling and with me as ever is... It's Robin Allender here. Hi, yeah, man. How are you? Yeah, good. How are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Slightly perturbed by the prospect of uh, pubs closing at 10 o'clock for the next six months. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's 360 hours of pub time, <laughs> potential pub time that we're going to lose. I feel like it's just a deliberate attempt to kind of um, decrease morale at this point, isn't it? Like, you know, why are they doing Well, it, does, it feels like a bit of a personal attack as yeah. they are. Always my favourite hours, the slightly hazy period between 10 and 11. Yeah, and also isn't it just going to encourage people, oh, just come back to mine and have a few cans? Yeah, and let's go to the pub at five instead of six. Yeah, yeah, oh dear. (laughs) But, you know, hey-ho. Remember when pubs used to close at 10 on Sundays? I suppose some still do. Yeah. That was a hang-up from the Blitz, wasn't it? They just forgot to put it back afterwards. (laughs) It doesn't so, surprise me. So I'm it's worried a bit that that's going to happen. Rule. You know, if things go back to normal, they'll just forget to put it back. <laughs> I did quite like it when I worked in the bar, though, because on Sunday nights you only had the real dedicated booze hounds. Yeah. So the ten o'clock bell was always quite welcome. <laughs> but um, yeah, this week we've got a, another fantastic episode with Jono, a writer, a comedian, and a third of the comedy trio Sheeps. Uh, this was a really, really fun one. Yeah, it was great. And it was the first one we'd done kind of all in a room together. Um, it was, you know, a few cans were drunk. And yeah, it was good. It was pretty discursive. I was worried that when I'd listen back to it and think we sounded tipsy. But um, I don't think we did sound too No, tipsy. I think we managed to sort of hit the sweet spot a little bit. Um, yeah. and there's a little bit of talking over each other towards the end, <laughs> but I think that, let's call it... No, you listen to me! That was none of that. <laughs> no, it's more sort of um, exuberance than yes, inebriation. Yes, um, so, yeah, there's loads of great chat. We start off talking about Shakespeare for some reason, yeah, so do bear with us, but we move about. swiftly onto the Beatles. We talk about Jono's love of um, the mid-period specifically Mm. Uh, and then we move on to all sorts of things including sort of metal um, and only fools and horses (laughs) yeah sitcoms yeah that was i suppose beatles and comedy is obviously going to be a recurring thing um on this podcast but yeah there's some chat about only fools and horses there's a good anecdote about del boy falling through the bar (laughs) that was quite (laughs) funny um, so before we crack on with that, um, you've got a little bit of uh, correspondence. To... Yeah, the first thing I was going to do is just give a little plug. Um, one of, when we started the podcast, one of the first people to follow us on the social medias was a chap called Joe, who runs a uh, social media account called Beatles Books on Instagram, which is a really amazing account because his his extraordinary scope of Beatles books he's got there is is pretty unprecedented and he's also yeah, just started it's baffling it is great isn't it it's like i'm sure he's invented some but he's just started mm. a, a podcast um under the same same name beatles books 
So yeah, give that a plug. Um, I'm sure that's nice. I'll check that out. Podcast, yeah, it's great. Uh, but speaking of um, Beatles books, my friend Ed Dowie, and Ed is um, a brilliant musician. He's got an amazing album out. Well, it came out a few years ago called The Uncle Sold um, on Lost Map. But um, I'd love to have him on actually. Uh, but he's <laughs> he said he's got two books about the Beatles, and one of them was called The Murder of John Lennon. And the other one is a book he found on the street called Paul McCartney Behind the Myth. Have you ever heard of this book? <laughs> I have not, no. <laughs> it's written by a Daily Express columnist, and he can't hide his roots. Just read this bit. So it was about Paul. Had he bothered to acquire the intellectual self-discipline necessary to complete his A-levels successfully, the trite flaccidity of many of his latest song lyrics might have been avoided, and disasters like Magical Mystery Tour and Give My Regards to Broad Street might have been avoided... <laughs> it's quite um who, it's very, who wrote this, this so this is a guy goon. called ross benson and this is his author's bio <laughs> it's very partridge ross benson is a close friend of many of the beatles intimates and advisors knows ringo Starr, and lists bianca jagger among his friends he got to know <laughs> paul, <laughs> he got to know paul mccartney in 1980 when mccartney was in prison in japan he was the only british journalist allowed into the jail when mccartney was being held and his exclusive reports made front page news well, so yeah that's go. great um this is a <laughs> can i read you a couple more extracts edison Please, yeah, I really, really want to hear them. (laughs) On 14th of August 1960, the Beatles, yet to become the most profitable, small, specified business Liverpool ever produced. (laughs) Such a weird way to describe them. It's very, very partridge. It was Mm. on its way to being discovered in Germany. Like Liverpool, Hamburg is a port with a long and prosperous past. They are both situated at the latitude 53 degrees north. There the comparison ends. (laughs) That's really oddly specific. (laughs) Oh, that was great. He keeps going Crazy. on about how they were a, a profitable small business. <laughs> I know, it's such a weird take. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, thanks to everyone else who got in touch. Um, and as always, you can keep in touch with us on social media at Personal Beatles on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and if you want to email the show, you can go to personalbeatles.com forward slash contact. Um, you can also support the show by going to personalbeatles.com forward slash donate. Um, a few more people have done it this week and we're really, really grateful. Uh, it helps us keep going and plan, you know, bigger and better things. So it really ex- exciting and helpful, as is rating the show on Apple Podcasts and Acast. And we're now available on Amazon Music. Um, I don't think I've ever met anyone who listens to Amazon Music, but if I you are a new listener... Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello, one person. I was going to say Um, as well, can I mention our weird discovery about Spotify, which is that we kind of occasionally make an edit when we've made a particularly bad mistake in a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But we noticed that the edits don't seem to go through to Spotify. So if you're listening on Spotify, then you are hearing the unexpurgated drivel. (laughs) Like more more rubbish than normal. It's like a director's cut, but a bad director's cut. Yeah, yeah. Like Alien 3. It's more like a um, bloopers reel. Yeah, exactly. Um, Right, let's crack on with Jono, and uh, we'll be back at the end of the show. Please enjoy Jono from Sheeps. Please 
Shakespeare as well, isn't it? Shakespeare, if you go to a Shakespeare play, sometimes you laugh and you've got absolutely no idea why, don't you? No. It, you never, <laughs> no, never I do not. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, I find I don't. <laughs> but, you, well, it's the kind of thing an English teacher, when an English teacher would go there and say chuckle because chuckle, yeah. they get the joke <laughs> sure but sometimes like i you think go, they're pretending but that's that joke. performative that's yeah. the laugh that i think i like the least in the world is the laugh where you're you go well, you, you're just you want everyone else to know yeah any any like any voluntary laugh i think is no good yeah you just yeah. Don't, it's mm. horrible to hear yeah it's you like think, well, you though. could have not done it yeah yeah like, yeah yeah but i do think some if you do go and see a good <laughs> shakespeare like production if it just the even if you don't understand it, there are certain intonations which are funny or, or like timings. I think. Sure. Do you think so? Yeah, but I think people are working. A lot of times, people are. Getting, this is this is not me. This is not my. You know, my uh, taking a stance against Shakespeare. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> <That's>, uh, <yeah. laughs> I know he he could easily snap back about some of my stuff. Yeah. I, I, you know, I know I'm yeah. leaving myself wide open, and this guy's known yeah. for being good with words. You don't listen much to the in the same way as his podcast. nemesis me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, when when are you getting Shakespeare in here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shakespeare calmly ages. dismantles. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> but I do I do think like uh, you know a lot of a lot of the comedy productions of Shakespeare the performances are like almost pantomime big in order yeah. to be like mm. well I feel like you maybe don't have confidence in the material, material here yeah, or yeah. you don't not, not that it's not funny mm. but it's just like I think you maybe aren't comfortable enough letting just yeah, leaving yeah. the joke there for the audience to pick I'm, up yeah there's a lot of kind of thrusting at any kind of sexual in yeah <laughs> yeah and also the thing that uh, the thing i find funny is is when people like act out uh, on a, uh, when people resort to acting out each word individually within a sentence <laughs> yeah, yeah. like to the point of you scroll i like going to the theater but i i'm if I were being honest, I would say nine times out of ten. I mean, this is the worst thing to possibly be saying at this moment in time <laughs> when they, like, the arts are in such yeah. danger from a government that yeah, doesn't yeah. care and clearly yeah. should. And, yeah. but, uh, but for me, <laughs> nine times out of ten. And this is also, also true of comedy shows, and I suspect would be true if I watched any of my own comedy shows. Nine times out of ten, I feel like I would leave yeah. at the interval and read the, what yeah, happens yeah, the rest yeah. of the time. oh I get yeah. how they do it and then yeah. now I'll just find out what happens on the bus do you know that Sarah, Sarah Pascoe does a really brilliant bit about going to the theatre you don't actually enjoy it at the end that feeling you have <laughs> is just the relief that it's over <laughs> yeah. you know it's just so good there's that, that great episode true. of Peep Show where they go and to sort of watch a play above a pub and they start whispering to each other being like we could be home watching Heat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we're watching Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. But we're here. That's great. But um, one thing I find weird, so to bring it onto the Beatles in a slightly oh, that band? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I always find weird watching old Beatles live shows that everyone is sitting down. Mm. And I now am at the age where I sit down at a gig. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I like singing. Is that your preference? Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. I, well, also because it just gets rid of my main uh, worry in life. And this is not just... This is in absolutely every element of life. I just don't know what to do with my hands mm. any <laughs> of the time. And it's like, it's hell being in a crowd stood around people. You just... I, I My instinct is to just have my arms behind my back and mm. acting it out, which is famously <laughs> fantastic yeah. for this meeting. <laughs> but uh, I'd like tie my hands around each other behind my back and just 
Bob and hope that I don't get knocked over. Mm. My idea would be there's a bit at the front where people can stand, and I'm sort of seated above them watching. <laughs> so like, ivory tower. Sometimes, like, yeah, in my ivory tower, because sometimes sure. the band will play better if there are people right at the front moshing or jumping Yeah, around. yeah. that's definitely But true. I don't want to be there. I want to so, be And they'd play... You don't think the band would be distracted by the hovering gentleman <laughs> on the, the chair? That would, to me, I wouldn't be able to keep time. <laughs> Well, you know, I'd be, I'm invisible as well. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I considered forking out when Paul McCartney last did the O2 for the little standing bit at the front. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But then I just couldn't justify it. But, you know, I mean, it probably is the last time, especially with, like, the current environment, mm. might be the last time you see him. But I, that was the first the time that I broke my O2 embargo was to go and see him a couple of years ago. Right. And we were, you know, for what you're paying... Mm. You are a long way away, mm. and it was testament to Paul that he can like make you come away from watching that show in a seat like that and thinking yeah. you've had the best night ever by yeah. essentially you know holding the leveraging the threat that he might die of yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. at some point of like yeah. do you want to not see me yeah <laughs> well I'd much, I mean I'd much rather pay that to see him in a big field yeah, yeah. than uh, than at the O2. Have you ever seen Paul? I've not no, and uh, that is. Uh, yeah, that, that's something I'm afraid of all the time. It's it's a similar situation to I had a, a friend of mine uh, had tickets for Prince, one of the, probably the last time he was in the UK, and uh, I didn't get tickets. He did, and he got ill on the day, and he offered me the tickets, and I was so excited. And then mm. about two hours before the show, he got in contact with me and said, "I'm feeling a lot better. I'm going to go." Oh. And I think about it all the time. Uh, if there's me. some way I could have got <laughs> him out of commission for a bit know, longer. My, my was a, I went to Glastonbury 2009, and mm. Neil Young was playing. Yeah, yeah. And I went to see Animal Collective. Oh. <laughs> Why did you do, <laughs> Why'd you do that? Then? I don't know. At the time, well, you know, I'm not. This isn't to diss Animal Collective, but yeah, I don't know. I might never get the chance to see Neil Young again. No, and that was. I don't know what was That's going through era. my head. Yeah. yeah. A guy I was on a stag do once went to go and see Prince at Ronnie Scott's and he queued up for, you know, 24 hours or something mm. and saw this absolutely explosive show and then he went and hid in the toilet because he was doing two shows. So he had to sit in the toilet at Ronnie Scott's for like three hours. Really? And then came out and watched it all again. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> the Beatles yeah. fans used to do that, didn't they? They used to hide in the toilets. Yeah, because they used the to double. do two, yeah, yeah. two lots of shows. Um, yeah. Like their touring schedule... In those first two UK tours, is absolutely insane. Mm. Like it's but the amazing, shows are crazy but, short, seemingly. Mm. Well, the shows towards the end were really short when they had already kind of given up. So, like, mm. especially on that massive 1966 tour where they play the same set list for mm. you know yeah. nine months, but it's only sort of twelve two-minute songs that mm. uh, were then yeah. four years old or whatever. Yeah, the songs were just so short as well. Well, it's mm. not, I mean, under mm. three, all of them under three minutes, really, aren't they? And it was, I don't know what the rationale behind the set list was, but because, you know, they'd made sort of Rub Soul and Revolver, and mm. obviously there are tracks that you can't do mm. live. But why are you still playing, you know... You could do And Your Bird Can in Black every night. You could do, yeah. you know, uh, you could do I'm Looking Through You. There's so many just, like, straight-up rockers on yeah, those two yeah. albums that would be a delight to have heard. They clearly just didn't want to learn them. But, mm. yeah, yeah. I don't know. And your bird can sing is is hard though, isn't it? That would. But you be need hard. to. You need to quite <laughs> <laughs> intricately. Yeah. Um, 
What's do you have a favourite era of Beatles then? Uh, right smack bang in the middle, Rubber Soul would be nice. literally it. Of mm. uh, yeah, as a kid, well, when I eventually allowed myself to be into the Beatles, because <laughs> initially I I decided I didn't like them. Right. Purely because I felt I wasn't allowed to, because it was what, the my credibility. Dad's music. Or, oh, right. It was just yeah. it was my dad's music, yeah, and yeah. so I mm. had to not like it. Right. And so, but I'd secretly be like, oh, I really like this. Mm. But then eventually, I think it was actually. I think the thing that made me feel like I was allowed to listen to the Beatles was when Sum Forty One covered "I'm a Loser." <laughs> <laughs> I instantly was like, this "Well, is... this is pretty cool." Yeah, mm. uh, we talk about this has come up quite a lot with people when they're quite young and impressionable. There's this sort of weird negotiation they make with, "Is this? Is, am I cool? Am I cool?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? I think but probably because like, my cool? dad didn't really like the Beatles that it made me. Like them more probably. Yeah. If it had been evangelical about it, I would have been like, "Ah, oh, shut up." Dad. Well, he was really into them, and uh, as a result, I just wanna, I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to be different. So uh, eventually, the compromise I came to with myself was, "Oh, Dad likes the early Beatles, so I actually, it's, I don't like yeah. them. I don't yeah. like, oh, I don't like the early Beatles, yeah. but I love Sad. the late Beatles. <laughs> yeah. pathetic. Oh well, enjoy your teeny bopping, Dad." <laughs> I'm listening to the, the the big music, the serious music. But and, you were introduced uh, to them by some forty-one. Kind of. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, well, I was I was reintroduced to them as you're allowed to like them by some forty-one. Yeah, Even yeah. though the track they are playing is from Beatles for Sale, mm. it's, I still. But the the nice compromise was, as I've got older, I like the early Beatles more than the late Beatles now. Mm, right. Mm. Um, but the nice compromise was that both my dad and I. Uh, agree that Rubber Soul's their best album. Mm. So you cross over in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Mm. I think that's true. That's interesting, isn't it? Because like when you're growing up and you want, you're into more sort of punky, pushing the boundary sounds, then you want to yeah, kind of get in. Some 41. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the pioneers. That hard mm. stuff. Yeah. You kind of are drawn to like your Abbey Road and, and, and White Album. But then there's something to be said for like going back to that and appreciating the craft of those really, really early songs. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. if you have, if you've had a period in your life where you love those early records, then you appreciate the later ones more. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Right. Definitely the way that, you know, if you listen to something like Oh Darling, which is, band in the room stuff mm. you know that you get that sort of that sort of really nice warm sense of familiarity mm. of them especially when you know that they're not getting on yeah it always worked when it was the four of them in the room yeah. and that's like and the, one after 909 as well was the, yeah, yeah well, well i mean that was the, the kind of concept they, they wrote, yeah, but that, they did it a lot later yeah they did it as on let it be isn't it yeah it's, mm. it's, but I, I think it's i think it's one of those where they uh they sort of you know they're putting out so many songs they forget Mm. for the better part of a decade and one of the other ones just says like uh, Michelle from Rubber Soul mm. uh, where it was like a joke song that McCartney would play at a party when he it just his party piece was pretending to be French right. <laughs> I don't know what but he, but he didn't know but he was like but I read, <laughs> read an interview and he was like but the only word I knew in French was Michelle and I was like well, that's not a French <laughs> <laughs> that's not a French word so I don't know what he was playing at <laughs> So do you not enjoy the sort of progression? I mean, I'm obviously, I'm guessing you love Revolver as well, but no, what, I like what the whole is thing. it about um, Rubber Soul that tips over the edge for Revolver? Because I always think of them as being two sides of the tipping point. Yeah, uh, I think it's it's uh, 14 songs and I don't think any of them are bad. Mm. And uh, there are bits of Revolver I find myself skipping through 
Uh, I don't. I don't. Mm. I actually don't like the opening track on either of those albums. Tax I don't Man. like Taxman. I don't like Drive My Car. Really? Yeah. yeah. We, I'm just. It just it's seems kind of to like. I don't know. It feels lame, but probably in the way that uh, anything that's super influential and loads of people have mm. taken off when you listen back just doesn't sound original. I feel like. Well, I don't mm. want. I don't want this from the Beatles. Mm. Yeah. There and I, I listened back to Rubber Soul all the way through for the first time intently the other day, mm. and it did make me think. Actually, I don't listen to this enough. Yeah. But oh, one yeah. thing that I and I texted you about it was that I find the they had obviously got these volume pedals that they got obsessed oh, yeah. with, yeah, and they're yeah. excruciating. On on health <laughs> they are as well. The volume. Yeah, pedal. they're on health yeah. as well. But I think it's in. Um, is it in the word or something like that? And they're yeah, yeah, so yeah. out of time. Right. And they just sound I loved the word horrible. Is, I was thinking the word is the Beatles' funkiest song. <laughs> yeah, I think you're the right. The word is brilliant. That tambourine and yeah. that nice like it's quite. It's got to be up there. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be up there. Just <laughs> the funk. I'll great. give you. I'll give you top ten without even looking yeah. into it. <laughs> what else? Where else do they go into funk? I think the. I believe they're the funkiest band that's ever lived. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Are, yeah. yeah, yeah. They sold their soul for funk. I believe. <laughs> When people say funk, they think Beatles, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, yeah, White I, love, guys. I love funk. Like, Beatles shit. Yeah, yeah Beatles yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I want that Beatles shit. <laughs> One question that we ask everyone on the podcast is, do you have a controversial Beatles opinion? Uh, I, 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 I do, and it, it, it started... I, uh, I, I texted May Martin this morning to let her know this was going to be my one, and it's not going to be popular in this room, I already know it. Okay. I think Obladi Obladar is great. Oh, no, it's not. And I know you. I know you had a big problem with it. I think the arrangement on the White Album is terrible and doesn't do it any favors. Mm. I think. If, I think the if sequencing you to, of the tracks. No, the arrangement of the song. Right. Right. Uh, in the, if you listen to it on. Uh, if you listen to the, I, I didn't like it until I heard it on. You, you like the on yesterday the film. You didn't like the song. I liked, heard yesterday the film and then. There was, there was oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my, my favorite. I, I worked backwards from that. I'm yeah. from the world of that film, You're right? Yeah, yeah. And then I crossed over, the before, yeah. and I was surprised to be like, okay, I gotta get on board with these three. Yeah, you're the one. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, the uh, uh, the if you listen to it on Anthology Three, it's they play it pretty. It's a pretty straight performance, mm. just strumming away at the guitar. It's not like, you know, it 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 sounds far less um, uh, cringe when he's mm. not when all of the chords aren't upstrokes on the offbeat, yeah. and suddenly right. it's just strumming straight. And he's doing less of a. It's not like he's doing a. He's kind of doing a bit of a voice. He is yeah. album, but he's yeah. not millimeters away degree. from yeah. full sort of Jim Davison. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's but it's far less problematic. On Anthology Three, it just sounds like a great. I mean, John shouts a mad bit at the start of it, mm. and uh, <laughs> you can't get away from the. It still sounds weird him saying bra, but the yeah. the rest of the song I think is it's great and is it's super catchy and it's a far better version and I I love it. Yeah.
it's a great I, I think it's good to hear it being defended. I mean, I haven't convinced mm. you uh, <laughs> even very slightly. But I mean, it? the yeah. thing is, when I'm listening to White Album, I never skip it, though. Because like, it's your favourite. Yeah. I like the way, he, do you know that bit at the end where he gets the words wrong and he says Desmond stays at home and does his pretty face? Yeah, he wanted to do another take of that. Mm. He was really angry about it and he wanted to do another take. Well, famously, it was the long, I think might be right in saying the longest time that they took to record any track. I think mm. Maxwell Silverhammer wasn't Which far off yeah, yeah. as well, but, but Lennon wasn't. Uh, in the studio for Maxwell yeah. Silverhammer. Yeah. He's not I mean, ready. I'll take Maxwell Silverhammer over Obadi Obadi no. any day. Max, yeah. Now, Maxwell Silverhammer is my least favorite Beatles song. Yeah. Really? No, yeah. I think because I got into it when I was a kid, though, I just thought it was quite sort of funny and I liked the noise of the, the ding ding. Mm. <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, I, can get, I can get you a recording that just does the ding ding <laughs> yeah. if you like and you can forget the rest of the song. Yeah. I can make yeah. that for you. It's about a man who goes around killing people with a hammer. I think that's do what you, I was quite intrigued because I think kids like that sort of slight, slightly macabre. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you know what he said? You know, he says pataphysical at the start. What? That's the first thing he says. Yeah. What? Joan was physical. Studied pataphysical. Is it pataphysical? No, I not. think that's that thing where you know when you learn a new word, you got to quickly, yeah. you got to you got to use it or you're going to lose it. Yeah, and yeah. he's quickly. I'm yeah. going to write a song. It's probably Pat- why he laughs in the line because he's so yeah. pleased himself. Yeah, pataphysics <laughs> is a is a difficult to define. This is Wikipedia right. <laughs> first sentence. Difficult to define philosophy of science invented by French writer Alfred Jarry. Sounds like Wikipedia has been put on the spot. Yeah, yeah. and that sounds retroactively. Pat- I mean, yeah. history. Works influenced by pateology, pataphysiology. Let's go down to that bit. Okay. It's got to say Maxwell Silverhammer. No, it was a select pieces from <laughs> Marcel Duchamp and John Cage. Right. On situationism. Okay. Oh, so he would have got it out yeah. of the sort of happenings in the yeah. roundhouse or whatever. Uh, Maxwell Silverhammer on the Beatles album Abbey Road, Pataphysical Science, is mentioned as a course of study for Maxwell Edison's first victim, Joan. <laughs> Joan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, using the word victim yeah, makes it sound a bit more true. grisly. Yeah, more or less my route to the Beatles was going via heavy metal bands and then when the strokes came out i suddenly was like oh i actually prefer this to any i prefer this to megadeth and slayer mm. and anthrax and pantera and I, this in some ways sounds heavier to me mm. and uh, then i it, that made me feel like it was okay to like any kind of music because that the strokes was considered soft amongst mm. my yeah. group of friends and so i was like well that's from then on i guess i'm allowed to listen to just whatever I like. Now. Yeah, it's interesting. That, like I was listening to uh, Bleach the other day. Uh, oh yeah, Nirvana, and it's like God, it's such a weird album. And Kurt Cobain is like absolutely rinsing his voice and doing these yeah. weird screams and howls. It's such a like odd album. And I was like listening to it when I was twelve, and like, yeah, and the songs are so dark as well. And it's like it's weird how you just take all that stuff in at that age, like getting into metal. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like I was I was really into. Around and uh, I, I used to really love Slint. You remember yeah, Slint? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Post rock, sludgy. Mm. Sort of. Obsessed with them for a while. Mm. Um, I, saw, I saw them live. Of well, because you know they were doing the whole reunion mm. thing. I saw it was just amazing. It was brilliant, and because so really? many people like obsessed with Spiderland, that mm. yeah. it was like literally like almost ecstatic. People like 
sort of singing along to the riffs or something, <laughs> yeah. or like cheering. At well, because like, there's yeah. not that you can't really sing along no, to the no, words. No, no. Yeah. Like, it's just a guy chatting at you, yeah, it was very calmly. So fucking good. It was brilliant. Mm. I used to look at that. I just something. I I used to just listen to it and just look at that album cover mm. of Spiderland. Taken, just... taken by Will Oldham. That photograph. I don't know who that is. Yeah, Bonnie Prince Billy. Yeah. Oh, mm. yeah. oh, cool. Because they're from that Louisville, Louisville uh, Kentucky scene. They all yeah. kind of started together at the same oh, nice. at the same time. Yeah. Was like Kurt it. Cobain always a massive? He was more of a Lennon person than a Beatles person. Or was he really into Beatles? He would love the Beatles. Yeah. He? He I like... want to hold your hand was his favorite. So I guess it's yeah. like a Lennon guy. But he, he only re- he mainly talks about the early Beatles. Weirdly. Yeah. yeah. He grew up thinking that they were still around. And he was really, really sad when he realised that, that it was all over. Yeah. <laughs> I think oh. he had the records and stuff and he thought they were kind of still around. I can't, believe, I can't imagine yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, when, when, next time he does a show, I'll try and talk to him after. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, about that. Grab him. Yeah, yeah, we should get him on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. But he, I think he's got, I mean, like, yeah, when he was doing Nevermind, like, Butch mm. Fig, it was all about trying the to double make his voice as double, yeah, like yeah. Lennon-esque as possible. But I think mm-hmm. Cobain has got a very... I mean, it's amazing how he can just suddenly get these melodies from nowhere, you know, like mm. Drain You or something. or mm. You know, there are just some... Even songs on Bleach that just they suddenly go into these almost McCartney-esque melodies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. About a Girl's very sort of yeah. Beatles for sale Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, About a Girl's one of those songs where you think if, you know, if, if it was... Yeah, if it was recorded by any other artist, it would sound like a just a, an almost like wimpy pop mm. song. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of mm. really soft. Mm. But that was, I think, that's but why so they nice. sort of appealed to so many people in their early. Because I mean, it is just basically pop music that is just given a sort of slightly rougher yeah. sandpaper, yeah. and you know, all of those melodies are just as well constructed as yeah. any of those like McCartney things. And, yeah. the same as of uh, I don't know if you guys know Rancid yeah <laughs> they I who I uh, I still feel oh, like yeah. they're the band who I find in in I the, the feeling I get when I listen to early Beatles the band that I most closely um the, the band that I feel most similarly towards is Rancid mm. still it still feels like because they're you know I mean they're far less tight as a band <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they cannot sing but the vibe is that that like that energy and the uh, just a, a group of yeah, but pals like together. I mean, so much punk. Like, well, obviously, you know, there is a whole genre of pop punk. But like, Rancid, like Ruby Soho, that is mm. classic pop. Isn't oh it? yeah, That's it's so good. Like they wrote song. the they wrote that third uh, Pink album. Yeah, and when it came out, I was like, yeah, this makes. Yeah. Perfect sense. Is that the one with? No, that's the album after. But yeah, the, the, the one with the uh, the one with trouble on it, oh, right, which yeah. could you know Trouble's could good. be yeah. a rancid song. Yeah. yeah, it's only the fact that he you know sounds like he's been gargling glass yeah. that makes it not yeah. a pop track. It's quite strange that the Beatles' sort of flirtation with heavy metal 
and their part in pioneering it was so sort of fleeting, really. Though, well, because, Helter Skelter. Well, Helter Skelter for sure, and like definitely, like you know, stuff like she's so heavy that breakdown is mm. you know as heavy as it, it was possible to get. Yeah. But then they sort of abandoned it very quickly. I mean, there's nothing on McCartney that you could say is like remotely no. heavy metally. But yeah. maybe that was a reaction against the sort of rise of the Led Zeppelins and Aerosmiths or whatever. Mm. But I, I kind of think, I, I think uh, similarly to how I feel about Peter Cook in comedy, in mm. that he's sort of, certainly up until, uh, I, would, I would argue, up until more or less The Office, mm. uh, basically everything that happened in comedy from beyond the fringe until... 2001 yeah peter cook had done some version yeah. of yeah sort of creates the satire boom mm. then it's like even like Derek and clive is way 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 ahead yeah. of his time like yeah. way more uh it's like you know gross out humor or kind of yeah. yeah it's like yeah. but more than like something like i'm, I'm trying to think of an example more of goes much further than the young ones oh, or, yeah. or bottom yeah, yeah. or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. and that's yeah. like you know 20 yeah. years earlier. But similarly, mm. there's a theory that Black Sabbath invented every kind of metal, isn't there? Right. There's, there's like mm. doom metal, there's like I thrash, could easily there's... be convinced by that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I could very yeah. quickly be convinced by yeah. that. Um, Were they Beatles people, Sabbath? Yeah, I think Ozzy's a huge yeah. fan. Mm. And um, uh, Lemmy was as well. Lemmy yeah, was he was huge. Fan. I think he, used, he went to quite a lot of gigs, I think, didn't he? Mm. The, he was uh, a teenager. The quote from Ozzy Osbourne was, uh, all I wanted to be was uh, Lennon or McCartney. I ended up being fucking Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked out okay for him. Yeah. It's so nice for Ozzy Osbourne to pop into the recording. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so very, what a very kind. He Where's, couldn't stay. Yeah. He, Where's he gone? Top of the cap and yeah. off he goes. <laughs> End of the night. <laughs> Do you remember the first day? When Os- the Osbournes came out? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah that was. I felt like I was going insane. Yeah. The first episode has <laughs> still got one of my funniest. The funniest things ever. Where he's Is that watching... where he chucks the thing over the fence? Yeah, and he's watching um, Two Fat Ladies. <laughs> <laughs> and he says... <laughs> but there's a bit where he goes, how do you get these two fat cunts off my <laughs> 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 That's so good. Was Peter Cook... As as like uh, your current sort of life as a writer and comedian, it was he more of a formative influence than like Python or anything in that for you? No, I, I no, I just like I, I I would never really sit down for any period of time to listen to him. Although I I, I enjoyed the uh, Twelve Days of Christmas, Sir Arthur Street Grieveling stuff, and the Why Bother series with Chris Morris, which again mm. is like he should be he should be. By by rights, Peter Cook should be about thirty years irrelevant by that point, and he's yeah. right, very comfortable riffing mm. with this guy who's at the absolute forefront of comedy yeah, in the yeah. mid nineties at that point. Yeah, and you just yeah, I, I he's uh, yeah, he's great, but I wouldn't like sit and. Who was your Who was your big comedy heroes when you were growing up? What like made you want oh, to do comedy? Growing up, it was just. I guess Ali G probably right. Ali yeah. G, the office. when I was a little kid, uh, the Chuckle Brothers, right? Mm. And uh, I, which I stand by. And the first few times I pitched a show, first few times that pitched with Sheeps, the my comedy group, um, we would try and explain over and over again that what we wanted to make was the Chuckle Brothers, right? And people yeah. would be like, "Oh yeah, like uh, I get it, like a gritty, uh, like adult, adult version of that." And we'd like, "No, no, no, the 
we want to make the Choker Brothers. And they're going, oh, right. So like a, a dark version. Yeah. Going, no, no, I want to make a, it's like just these silly guys and they can't get anything right. Yeah. They, the, 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 that, that ultimately is why I got into comedy. Right. And then as I got older, it's Tim and Eric was mm. the, the main influence on everything. Right, oh, right. Nice. On Sheeps? On... Yeah, I would say, I would say, at least for my part, Tim and Eric and uh, Stella, the US series Stella, which is obviously different from the UK one. Mm-hmm. Um, which was uh, I've Mike, not seen that. What's the gist Michael Ian ba- Black, Michael Showalter, and uh, yeah. David Wayne? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the they're just these three guys going around being very very silly. There's no consistency. All the char- the three characters are identical to each other. They often speak in un- in unison. Even <laughs> they uh, have no arc across an episode that you can realistically spot. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and none of their decisions you could really trace to any kind of logic. Mm. It's just, mm. it's just super. It's it's aggressively silly. Yeah, and uh, it was cancelled uh... after eight episodes. Wow, that <laughs> and sounds it's, great. Uh, to be, they were lucky to get the the more broadcast. Really, yeah. mm. it's just nonsense. But it is yeah. the thing that it still makes me laugh more than anything else. Yeah. So- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but. You didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So what is the kind of writing process for Sheeps? Oh, we just come up with stuff separately and have a, have a chat. It's very <laughs> yeah. casual. It's a very casual vibe. Yeah. 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 Well, it's like brilliantly anarchic and yet obviously very well rehearsed and thought out and stuff. Um, it's probably the most... I would I've agree on ever... thought out. I would disagree on rehearsed. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe when you've seen the end of an Edinburgh run or something. Yeah, sure, sort of... yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, you, it was responsible for the only time I thought I was in medical trouble uh, at the Fringe a couple of years ago <laughs> when I went to see your Harry, what was it, Harry Potter sex? Uh, uh, live and Loud Selfie Sex Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Which the Live and Loud is from uh, Nirvana. Oh, uh, yeah. The oh, nice. MTV Live and Loud yeah. show is uh, just, I just thought of that as a stupid Yeah. Super thing to say, of course it's live, it's a show. Yeah. <laughs> so we were talking to May Martin um, the other day about which uh, Friends characters would be which Beatle. Oh, yeah. If you had to attribute a uh, Beatle to the Sheeps trio, which ones would you choose? Um, <laughs> I would... Three Ringos. <laughs> <laughs> we're playing Three Ringos. That's actually Ringos. a really good name for a band. <laughs> yeah. Three Ringos, yeah. <laughs> Actually, Al, who's in Sheeps, wanted his pitch for what he wanted to call Sheeps was the Beatles of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> which, which 
I still wish we'd gone with it. <laughs> we'd, I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, it seemed fantastic. seemed like we couldn't have done it at the time, and now I think yeah. we should have called it the Beatles of Comedy. That's brilliant. <laughs> Um, he's a big Beatles fan as well. Really? He's like, yeah, yeah you, sh- you yeah. should get him in. Oh, he's, that'd uh, be brilliant. We, uh, it's like half of what we talk about. Really? And Liam doesn't really, know, he doesn't yeah. really know anything about him. So uh, he's uh, he's so funny in stuff. Let's flat. So yeah, he's great. He's amazing. Mm. Well, the bit that just make always makes me laugh is you know when he goes to the um, clothes shop. Yeah. With Tasha to meet <laughs> yeah, you yeah. and he ends up with a t-shirt that says yeah. Urban Christ. <laughs> 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 I think he's one of the funniest people I've ever met. Right. He really is. So I assume Liam gets a little bit fed up with um, your constant Beatles chat then, if he's the third wheel in the Beatles. But then me and Liam talk about Only Fools and Horses almost all of the time. Really? And Al doesn't, I don't think Al's even seen the show. Really? Yeah, we're just obsessed with it. I don't think either of us like it. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) But we talk about it a lot. Do you, do you, is that because you know it really super yeah well, it's right, just so. like a, a, yeah just every episode from being a kid yeah yeah. Just I mean that, this is probably my controversial opinion but you know as a kid I'm sure you guys were similar as comedy nerds growing up anything with a laugh track I would watch yeah it didn't matter how good it was but the only thing I never liked was Only Fools and Horses right. oh really I'd watch the British Empire and the Real McCoy oh, and then and it would could be very very funny yeah, but it's Do you just one of those things that went on far too long. Though. Yeah, and I also yeah the the version I remember is the later years. Oh, it could be very very. With oh, the, yeah, I mean the there, there was good and stuff. ending or whatever. Oh, oh that does those last ones. I I can't yeah. be I cannot be doing with them last ones. Mm. I've got a very vivid memory of my parents were out and they'd set the video to record Only Fools and Horses, and I'd sort of fannied around with the video player or the VHS. Yeah, yeah, and it was on. And I could see it wasn't recording, but I didn't know how to sort of get it recording. Mm. So I just kind of had to blank out the fact that I knew it wasn't working in my <laughs> sure. mind. You know? Yeah. I yeah, think yeah. I had to like hold my hand up in front of the VHS <laughs> and watch mm. it above my hand so that I could <laughs> manage to deal with this terrible guilt that I knew I'd messed up my parents recording. Sure. Yeah. So it's just come back to me. <laughs> I like most about uh, Ringo is when the the first album he did after the Beatles broke up, all three of the others contributed songs mm. to his album. Yeah, yeah they all... which they, none of them. It seems like even even when Harrison started sleeping with Ringo's wife, yeah, it doesn't seem like any of them ever fell out with Ringo. No. It, it feels yeah. like they were always good with Ringo. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It just makes me really like him a lot. And there's a really sweet thing at the. Um, when Ringo was inducted into Rock and Roll uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame solo, which is only a few years ago, mm. um, and two things I really loved about it was Yoko came mm. to the performance because clearly she, you know, she must have just been so fond of Ringo. Mm. And there's a lovely moment when Paul inducts him, and they're doing little jokes together, like Paul's trying to rush him along mm. uh, in his speech, and like Ringo snaps back with something Liverpudlian, and mm. uh, he cuts to the crowd, and Yoko Ono is just laughing to herself. Oh, and she's nice. really enjoying it, yeah. as though she's saying, like, it's just her watching two of John's mates yeah. having a giggle, and it's really, mm. it's really, really, really oh, sweet, so and it sweet. does just go, oh yeah. I mean, I think yeah, it's 
her role in them breaking up is, I think, so uh, it's, it's, exaggerated. it's so exaggerated. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like whenever people describe how the Beatles ended, when they're like, "Oh, they they were spending less and less time with one another and more and more time with their partners." It's like, mm. well, this is just a description of anybody yeah. coming yeah, towards exactly. the end of their twenties. Yeah, what yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That's the description of all of my friendships. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much snobbery, snobbery around it as well, isn't there? Of kind of like, oh, John's getting too arty. Yeah, he's like going out this situation. It's all yeah. You know, it's just this like he's kind really of, happy. Yeah, like he's yeah. fallen in love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this idiot. Yeah. <laughs> about John's sort of joy that he used to get from sort of being mischievous in a mm. way and it's the sort mm. of I think the Paul and John thing we talk about so much but it's the difference between cheekiness mm. and mischievousness yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and because there's something how are you defining that difference well I think because Paul could be flippant and he could be sort of you know a bit hard work and yeah, you know, and, and undercut everyone in interviews, but it was also always done with such a kind of playful, boyish mm. charm. Whereas something though, John's was always a bit more sort of acerbic and. But I think Paul nasty. was maybe more secure. Mm. Mm. I think it, John, there's like there's genuine like hate underneath it, yeah. which he acknowledges yeah. in later life. Yeah. But yeah, but, but I think that's also an incredibly powerful thing, and then counterbalanced with. Someone like Paul, who's like ridiculously optimistic, mm. um, and just everything is about the joy and the beauty. Mm. That you know that that's the yin and the yang of why it works so well, I suppose, mm. isn't it? Yeah, but I but I often yeah I, I often think that Paul, uh, who is the one I identify with most and the one I admire the most and just I absolutely love him, but he's the I I I just think there's no way Paul could possibly have made it by himself. No, and I and I say that believing that he's the best of them. Yeah, not even as a musician. I think he's like you know, obviously he's the best singer and bassist, or arguably best singer. But he's maybe the best guitarist and maybe the best drummer yeah, in the yeah, band yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. He's like and and the only real pianist in the band. Mm. Yeah, uh, but, but I just don't think he's just he's not got that thing that Lennon has that would make people go, ooh, what's this then? Mm. They would just go, oh, it's another talented guy. Mm. Yeah. Who yeah. cares? Mm. And I think he was well aware of that as well, which is mm. why he was so desperate to keep the band going. It was kind of for his artistic self-preservation yeah, as well as his sort of want for, you know, the legacy or whatever. And mm. then he was constantly... I mean, Ian McDonald. We can't go through a podcast without mentioning Ian McDonald. Yeah. I don't think. But he talks about it really well, and his like his desperate need to connect with mm. someone who had a more, you know, edgy artistic sensibility that sure. he never was able to. Yeah, recapture. there was like a real insecurity to McCartney, isn't there? I was thinking mm. about because you know, Let It Be Naked, as a project, was Paul McCartney going back to a record he'd made thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. And like literally cutting and pasting words that had been pronounced wrong and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So you know, which is great. And I think the Let It Be Naked project is really good. But like, yeah. Paul McCartney has got a real like, yeah. There's an insecurity there about that. Must have haunted him for thirty years. I think he was trying yeah. to win an argument. Yeah, I think yeah, because yeah. because the the whole Get Back project is his idea. Yeah, and he's like, no, we've got to. Be, and it d- doesn't become what he wants. He doesn't yeah. like Phil Spector. He doesn't like Alan Klein at that time. Yeah. He's like 
pretending to be the first one to leave the band, mm. even though John's already said it like six months earlier that he's leaving. Mm, yeah. And uh, it, but he didn't have any control of how the album ended. And I think because that period of time is characterized so much by his absolute pathological need to be completely in control. Mm. It's like, mm. well, it's so annoying that that one slipped out of his... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's but that must have really hurt. I mean, he talks in that role the GQ interview recently where he brings all that stuff mm. up. And it obviously still really Rankles, haunts him because, yeah. you know, he was vindicated, mm. especially in terms of like the Alan Klein mm, yeah. stuff and, yeah. you know, and Phil Spector turned out to be not a very good egg. Yeah. Um, and, you know, John was being incredibly self-destructive and sabotaging those yeah. sessions and things. Yeah. So, you know, you would think that, the you know, the vindication would be enough. Mm. But yeah, to then to go back and you know, patch it all up. Yeah. And also, yeah. they weren't working with much, like, on those records. Like, we've said lots of times that I'm a big fan of, of Let It Be. Mm. But when you listen to Let It Be Naked, you realise that the bare bones of those sessions is pretty poor. Yeah. Mm. Like, George's, you know, stuff like um, George's slide playing, which is usually, you know, I think, for me, behind Ry Cooder is the best slide guitarist ever right. to yeah. record slide on record. And the difference between what he's playing on that record and what he puts down on um, Living in the Material World, which is mm-hmm. only a couple of years later, is mm. unbelievable. So you can tell his heart's not really in it. And you yeah. can sort of, yeah. you can sense the frustration of it massively. And I think... Yeah, I mean, was, the, yeah, the Harrison like a, songs on, like the, the, what's the 12 Bar Blues one? Um, uh, I mean, because mine. you're sweet and yeah. true. Oh no, I mean, mine's on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, mine's on there. All the uh, all things must pass was mm. passed over for that record by the yeah. like, which it, it's I would argue, except for maybe I really like two of us. I really like across the universe. I really mm. like let it be the actual song. But other than that, I mean, I think all things must pass is better than anything else on that record but mm. Paul wouldn't let it on mm. so yeah. it, it, and, and the explanation given was that it just wasn't good enough yeah that's like, well, that's okay you're, but you're a, putting yeah but then also like McCartney uh, as well by doing Make It he you know he took off the Maggie May and he took off uh, yeah. Dig It the like the and all song. of the little sort mm. of goony interludes yeah. it doesn't even start with the sort of I, think, I dig a pygmy yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, th- I get the impression as well because he took off the bit before Let It Be where Lennon says something like, you know... Hum. And now we're going to sing out the angels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's because he like, used to take the piss out of the song so much for yeah, being... He was like, that's... it's something you sing at Catholic school or whatever. Yeah. But that you can just imagine, like, the decision to take that off 30 years later. Yeah. Well, it's, I think like because they were put in in such a... Paul had no control over the sequencing yeah. of the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And all of that stuff was put in just to be a bit twatty mm. by yeah. Lennon, yeah. so... You know, I, I could because that's the version I grew up with. I quite like the sort mm. of little Peter Sellersy interludes, yeah, and all of that stuff. It looks, it feels like they're having fun to my ears. But then when you read about it and you realise he's actually bullying, yeah, <laughs> I often think that re-including uh, "Don't Let Me Down" on yeah. "Naked" I think is almost a concession to be like I think it's his like peace offering to the Lennon yes. fan base because yeah, of. Yeah him taking so much more control back. He's like, well, I'll give them a whole yeah, song yeah, yeah. that wasn't on the original as an apology. I love that song, though. But it's so yeah, weird. It's like, you know, William Wordsworth, when he wrote the prelude, mm. and he wrote different editions of it, and one's like 1812, 
and one's like mm. 1814. Then he did another one like 1856 or something. Yeah. So just let <laughs> it go. Yeah. Let it be. Yeah. But how can you... It's weird. Like, is it the same thing if you come back to it after that same length, after that length of time? Just because... You know, but I guess his argument would be that it wasn't anyway because it was all done after the fact by mm, Spectre. Right. Because like, yes, yeah. it was meant that that Get Back album just didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, I, maybe it's just... If, if you two do it every... Almost every album that U2 releases, or every two or three albums, they release one. And then when the singles come out for the album, they release, there's like 50 remixes right. of the single. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they start saying in interviews, they always say, we put the, we did the album wrong. I'm so sorry. We did the album yeah, wrong. Yeah. They did it with like, they did it with Act Tongue Baby. They did it yeah. with uh, Pop, which is a great album. They did it, a lot of it with uh, Dismantle and Atomic Bomb. Yeah. They, yeah. They're really. Uh, that's, obsessive that's, about redoing that's really stuff. That's what's interesting about, say, Life of Pablo, the Kanye West album. Yeah. He was literally mm-hmm. changing, you know, because it's on streaming, you could literally take this version. Up until this, that so, morning, yeah. yeah. You know, so, like, uh, he, he completely changed what an album even means there. Yeah. Because now, you know... Since, I mean, the same with those remixes. It's like, I don't think I'm ever going to go back to listen to... I've got two versions of Sgt. Pepper over there, and one mm. is the one that my mum bought in 1967 mm. yeah. and the other one's the remix of that I'm never going to listen to that original really? mix of it because no. it's not as good mm. right. <laughs> it doesn't sound as good yeah um, it and, but then yeah you are changing the artifact like mm. yeah. you know it's the same as you know no you can't get the original Star Wars cuts because George Lucas has tried yeah. all he can and I think that's a big thing with the Paul stuff because he fought so hard to get mm. control back yeah, over the stuff after the whole Alan Klein debacle and then Michael Jackson mm. stealing it all. Yeah. Um, so when once he got it back, he was like, okay, now we've got to do, you know, all of the fix all of these little mistakes mm. and stuff. Yeah, sure. But as long as those two versions of the record exist, then yeah, you yeah, take your yeah. pick. Yeah. Uh, he's he's constantly revising even facts mm. about the. I mean, he's the, the one of the reasons why there's a, a not unreasonable period of time. In which I was, uh, or I should say, not not inconsiderable. There was an, a not inconsiderable amount of time in which I was convinced by the Paul is dead theories, right? <laughs> because uh, whenever you hear him in an interview, he, he's got a different explanation as to how he came up with a song right, every yeah, every yeah, time yeah. you hear him, yeah. and it's always usually uh, he's just trying to creep in a bit more credit for the song yeah, now yeah. that, and I don't think it's out of spite. I think it is like just. Yeah, kind of double mm. think of yeah. he, he's, well, he's convinced the, the himself of, now the Lennon McCartney McCartney Lennon thing which was yes. a bit ill advised yeah know, sure I mean it's it's just opening up uh, like I, 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 you give him an inch on that okay I can understand you'll want yesterday to say uh, McCartney Lennon or mm. yeah. uh, Blackbird to be McCartney Lennon but then then he's suddenly allowed to start saying it about other things I mean mm. he, he really then, in interviews he, he, he claims so much I, I mean I'd say this absolutely loving him mm. but i do sometimes think if you listen to interviews of there's that um there's a few clips online of lennon going through going through the white album and saying who wrote what mm. and uh, he quite often he'll say that one's all paul yeah and uh, sometimes it's with songs he doesn't want anything to yeah, yeah. yeah. Over the deal, over i think i've listened to an interview where they, they, they ask him about that and he's like so is this one of your songs over the yeah. deal? and he's like that's all oh, you know it's mostly me yeah. <laughs> so, like, he'll never be like that yeah. had nothing to do with me he'll, yeah he'll be yeah. like well, but he tried to take a lot of claim for one of those like a really good paul song he had like eleanor rigby he tried to claim he wrote like most of that i think 
Oh, yeah, Lennon did. Yeah, yeah. But now Lennon can't snap back. So yeah. now you have Paul saying yeah, it's like yeah. John came in and he said, I've got this song, it's called uh, I wanna I wanna hold your legs, you know. <laughs> and, I, and he said, I've got a melody that goes like this. I want to hold your legs. I said, That's pretty good, but make it hands, John. And, I, I've, got, and I've got a melody here for you as well. And he's like and then so it's pretty much and then he'll always end by something that tries to make it seem that he's not doing what he was doing and say, yeah. So it's pretty much 50-50. Yeah, you go, yeah, well, yeah. If you go through the LP from uh, top to bottom, it's Paul's first contribution, Maxwell's Silver Hammer, which is a uh, uh, I don't know. It's fairly typical of a lot of songs Paul's written, John, do you think? Yeah, it's a typical McCartney sing-along or whatever you call them. Oh. He, he did quite a lot of work on it. I was uh, in... I was ill after the accident when they did most of that track. To come back to Only Fool's Gnosis yeah. again, it's, uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a clip of... Uh, David Jason that I really enjoy when David Jason basically seems to do the same thing with John Sullivan since right. John Sullivan mm. passed there's, yeah. there's, there's a clip that haunts me on one of these like <laughs> um, 50 haunts. Uh, haunts, well haunts me as a you know if, if my job is primarily as a writer so being being uh, properly credited for things right, is like right, a constant right. yeah, yeah. like a constant uh, try, well, I'll use the word trauma for me <laughs> but the um, but yeah there's a bit where he's going <laughs> It's on like the fifty greatest moments in all of uh, the history of comedy and the history of the world, and there's falling through a bar because that's mm. the best thing. And uh, he says he came up with falling yeah, he says seventy percent of that he, he fall. Says, because, John yeah. Sullivan said I should only fall yeah. about thirty percent. That genuinely no, but what? that is I, I, I don't know if you're doing a bit or remembering it. That is almost exactly what he says. He goes, there's a bit where he go, he says like, and then John says uh, you should. Uh, she's going to open the bar, and he wants you very slightly stumble. And then, uh, and then, look at Trigger and go in to kiss these girls. Yeah. And then, and he goes, "No, John, no, I've got to fall all the way through." <laughs> I, said this, I said to, and he said, "No, Jason, that's why would he ever make such a mistake?" It's absolutely so And he said we should do it with the chandelier. He said, you boys should do a fantastic job and be paid for it. And I said, John, we should, <laughs> yeah, we should drop the wrong <laughs> chandelier. The episode ends with them just doing yeah. chandelier. There we go. That's it. it should yeah. be clean. You should be paid a, a day's wage for a day's work. Yeah. And, and then we'll get the credits. I said, John, I've thought of a funny thing we could do with that chandelier instead. Because, yeah. David, it'll never work. <laughs> no, it will, John. It will. Please. <laughs> Please trust me. Yeah, like just coming up with a spur of the moment. If you drop the chandelier, like, yeah, while like, like <laughs> yeah. filming, yeah, well, maybe, yeah, yeah. on the set, yeah, like, yeah. could we try dropping that one? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, do a couple of takes of that. Or... But I yeah. think there is a lot of that in McCartney now that he is yeah, completely yeah, yeah. in control of the narrative. Mm. And I understand. I kind of understand why. In the, uh, I, I, I do think the lion's share of the Beatles is him certainly from rubber soul onwards yeah and uh, but because john is so much more charismatic mm. but inevitably mm. people think of john as the genius which i don't think is fair but mm. as a result i think i think in his head he's maybe justified well i want everyone to know every bit of yeah. my mm. contribution I, I mean i've done everybody does it in like you easily can convince yourself you wrote more than you actually wrote there's mm. been occasions where like I've had TV shows go out, and me and another writer have been both equally convinced we wrote a, mm. a gag, you know. Mm. And these are these are shows that are far more famous than anything the Beatles. Did. <laughs> you know, these 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 are, these are big these are big hits. Yeah. That, that's yeah. why I got so many series of them, yeah. uh, and they're, they're, they're never cancelled after the second series. Almost yeah. every time. The um, but the yeah, the, you can easily convince yourself of that, and particularly as a as a 
somebody whose job is almost entirely on the behind the scenes writing, you you do sometimes. I, I I'll notice myself sometimes claiming credit for slightly more than I actually am. Right, 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 right. Just yeah. purely because I'll feel like, well, the person who's in it gets loads of credit anyway. Mm. They're gonna get they're gonna get some of my credit, so I'll try and steal some. <laughs> yeah. But now, if for Paul, when everyone finds John so charismatic, I can understand why mm. he would go for it. But I think he just he's got so carried away. He now believes because you, you know a lot, I think, I think a lot all, of it. Like let, I mean, probably to be a little bit less cynical mm. or to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, there's no bigger Beatles fan in the world than Paul McCartney. Sure, yeah, and he just is obsessed with the legacy. He yeah, loves yeah, yeah. spinning anecdotes. You just get the sense that he would happily just talk about the Beatles all oh, day, sure. every day. And so to that, I mean, it tends to be everything he thinks about. So and probably... also, if you tell the same story every night, it's like you'll, you'll see it with like stand-ups. You know, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm sure you'll have done this a lot. Of you, you'll sometimes just change a bit just because you're bored of saying yeah. it the other way, not because yeah. you think it's better in a new way. Like, mm. And if he's telling this, he's asked to tell the same anecdote so many times, like, like any good storyteller, he's a liar. Like a mm. bit, yeah. you kind of... I guess you have to be. Otherwise, you're George Martin in the the big train sketch. Yeah, where yeah. Kevin Eldon gets wheeled away, and <laughs> yeah. he's telling oh, the same. God, I'd forgotten about that. I haven't seen that in so long. <laughs> he starts and uh, George came in, and I said, "Well, is there anything you don't like?" And he says, "Well, I don't like your tie for a start." And then these people yeah. just yeah, carry yeah, him away and put it. him in a van, <laughs> and he's still telling the story and telling the story. Yeah, yeah. The first feedback um, tone was. And then someone asked him about it, and he was like, "So why do, why do you think you keep asking me?" me the, you know, telling the same stories. And it's like, well, they keep asking me the same questions. Just yeah. <laughs> like, well, can't say fairer than that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so apparently Paul's a big... Uh, big <laughs> seamless. Yeah, no, th- this was just it, it, regarding... I think it's 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 a question that very few people, maybe none in the history of the world could possibly answer is, what on earth does Paul McCartney want from a day? I think he just loves being Paul McCartney, doesn't he? Yeah. Just, but, I mean, yeah but, I don't, but no matter, because even when he puts out a really good album, like uh, a Flaming Pie, I think is great. Yeah. A Band on the Run, I think is great. Um, Chaos of Creation, I really like. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I know you, you mentioned it on the uh, on May's episode, mm. but yeah, mm. I, I, that's it's I really brilliant. like that album. I quite like the most recent one with that. That I do not like the song "Fuck You," mm, but yeah. the uh, the one that's it's like Ryan Tedder. I think he produced a lot of it, which he also mm. did with um, uh, "Songs of Innocence" by U2, and, and, mm. and on both of them, I like the album, but they sound kind of like a Ryan Tedder album. Mm. Yeah, um, but. Uh, I think yeah, I, 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 even when he puts out a good album, like what's what's when he listens back to it, it would be so tough to not go, huh? So I mean, it's not, it's not revolver, <laughs> yeah. not revolver, good, but yeah, yeah okay, that's that's mm. real. Even when like Blame Me Pie, which I think is so good, mm. listening to it mm. back, he, he he can't have felt anything more than great. That is, that is. Almost as good as the worst Beatles one. <laughs> like, what do you reckon yeah, is the best sure. McCartney song? Jet. Jet. Uh, yeah, 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 and I'm Jet. not even joking. Really? Jet, Jet kicks the shit out of me. Jet, <laughs> Jet fucking I slams. Just, I, I can yeah. listen to Jet 20 times in a row and I'll still feel The first hype. time I heard it was 
Alan Partridge jumping yeah, yeah, on the bed yeah. and bouncing. Up. When you when he plays it live, people go. Mad. Really? Oh, yeah. I would I would go apeshit yeah. if I if I. Always remember mm. the funny. I mean, also, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's got, got the, the classic cringy. I think I no, love I mean, my love and uh, right, maybe I'm amazed and okay, those big yeah. ballads. Oh, that's ones. so nice. That's the first time yeah. I heard that was in the OC. Another um, day is. His vocal on Maybe I'm Amazed is a contender for the best rock and roll it's, vocal on any record. What, that what voice is stupid it's good. Unbelievable. His voice got much better after the Beatles right. as well. Because yeah. I'm a singer, so he's really, he obsessed really shreds with his it in natural. the 80s, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I mean, if you're a natural tenor, you don't really hit your peak mm. until your mid 30s anyway. Mm. And because his range Fuck. is like absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, right. and he smoked loads of fags and pot yeah. yeah like his voice in the in the wings over america version of uh, maybe i'm amazed and his piano playing as well is yeah, absolutely yeah. fantastic it's just extraordinary it's but like, what what is the Fred, best beats freddie mercury for anything live Shut up, really freddie mercury used to cheat live all uh, the time well, what do you mean he would always bottle high notes. He was an amazing performer, oh, right. but as a singer, well, his, yeah, he, he would, down to, the he would go, go down the octave or go into falsetto. Yeah, he would use. Oh, he would go down the octave or he'd hit the fifth or something. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Paul, we even... will keep on fighting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, an yeah. absolutely unbelievable. I mean, obviously Freddie Mercury is an incredible singer, but he's a studio That'll singer mean a lot more than he's a live singer. But yeah, Paul's live stuff is just nuts. Right, you think Paul is a better singer than Freddie Mercury? I think live he can do it better, I, yeah. Wow. I think I Paul's not far off the best really? singer. Going back to Jet, Jet suffers from what I would call the the solo the main the solo Paul problem, which is that he's so interested in the music he just doesn't finish the lyrics. Mm, so yeah. he has like all of his albums have at least two or three songs that are plagued by the for the second like just keep repeating verses mm. over yeah, and over yeah. and over again songs like, like i think the early indication that this is where things are going is with uh hello goodbye mm. where it's just it's so repetitive and it, it it's quite a long song to have almost no new lyrics there's mm. maybe five lines in the whole song i mean uh, it's also something that a toddler would write <laughs> sure yeah but he's but but it but if you were to Hello Goodbye could easily have been one of the best Beatles songs mm. if he'd finished writing lyrics for it. If, if, yeah, if, imagine yeah. if it told any kind of a story at mm, all. Yeah. I do often it's a brilliant think, melody. Oh, yeah, it's, so, with, it's um, so, so yeah. good. Yeah. But, but I can't listen to it because every time I listen to it, it's the equivalent of listening to that song five or six times. Yeah. Because, because mm. I've heard him say it so many yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just about gets away with it because it's so fucking sick. Yeah. Mm. I always but, think that about um, Your Mother Should Know would mm. be one of the great Beatles songs if it didn't just repeat the first verse four times. Oh, yeah. I hate yeah. Your Mother Should Know. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, I love I mean, it. I'm with you. I'm with you. That's quintessential McCartney mm. instinctive melody. Right. When you can draw a line up and down of how that, you know... Yeah, it's, it's, it's very good. It's it? music 101, like... But it, it's sort of where he's slightly going into when I'm 64, sort of territory, and it's a bit like, oh... Mm. I don't know. Well, Paul's granny music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was referred to it. But yeah. he wrote that, you know, that's another one that comes, has its origins in the Hamburg days, I think. Mm, yeah, like, when yeah. I'm 64, it's really... Yeah. That was written on the piano, his dad's piano, in his... Yeah. Uh, in, in his uh, little house. I wish I didn't know that because of the James. Gordon yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was reading that Craig Brown book, and and it's amazing, and it's amazing and frustrating how often 
his references. James Corden's, James Corden's oh. show. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, because no matter how much, he's clearly been researching this book for years and years and years and years and put an enormous amount of work into it. But you can't compete with the fact that uh, Corden went to the actual house with him. Yeah. And, and apparently he, and he coaxed him things, into, so. They drove past it and apparently he was just like, have you ever been in? And he was like, no. He's like, let's go in. And just like literally barged in there. And then they're not getting this like priceless bit of YouTube gold that will be yeah. you know, clipped yeah. out for generations. Uh, uh, couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, oh. it, it, that, that says something for McCartney that whatever your feelings about James Corden, that YouTube video is still really amazing. Oh, I yeah. loved it. Yeah. I, I loved it. Despite myself, I had yeah, the yeah. time of my life. It's brilliant. Yeah. I, I, it I've, brilliant. I've watched it a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's great. It's, yeah, it's, it's, nobody, nobody could ever do, nobody could ever do anything 10% as significant in mm. popular music as mm. what they did or mean as much to as many people. It's mm. just impossible now. And, uh, yeah, seeing any of them do anything, it really mm. is like uh, it really is God's walking among us, mm. Mm. as close as there is to such a thing. It's mm. yeah, it's insane. So that was Jono. That was brilliant. We had such a fun time recording that, and uh, it was really fun listening to it back in the edit and reminders us of a very pleasant evening. I was hoping that like this would be the first of many IRL records, but it's looking like that. It's possibly getting less and less likely, but it was great yeah. fun and good pub session afterwards. Yeah, the con conversation continued. So thank you so much to Jono for coming on. And if you enjoyed that, we're also going to be speaking to another member of Sheeps uh, in a couple of weeks, Al Roberts, who you yeah, might also oh know from Stathless Flats and also, uh, as Jono describes in there, one of the funniest people on the planet. Yeah. So that is uh, pretty exciting. And we'll be back next week with uh, Hazel Wilde from the band Lanterns on the Lake, who are up for the Mercury Music Prize this week, which is incredibly exciting. Yeah, it's kind of, so we're recording this before the awards ceremony so it's kind of a schrodinger's uh, mercury at the moment isn't it yeah don't know if he <laughs> will win or, or not but yeah it's a, it's a i'm really looking forward to that chat because uh, it's a brilliant album and i've known the band for a while uh just clanging that one in um <laughs> but it's really great to see them being rewarded because they work jolly hard um yeah but yeah it should be a really interesting chat i think yeah, so please join us next Tuesday where we'll be talking to Hazel Wilde and uh, keep in touch and keep your emails coming in. We always love to read them. We do read everything, even if we don't have time to read it out. So uh, thank you very much for listening. Please give us a nice five-star rating if you enjoyed the show and see you next week. Bye. Your Own Personal Beatles is presented by Jack Pelling and Robin Allender. The podcast artwork is done by Morgan Ritchie. It's produced by me, Jack Pelling, and is a Homespun Sounds production. <laughs> Very good. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.